As we get started today and prepare to study God's Word together, uh, it would be very important, I think, today uh, to remember our friends in Fredericton. And uh, I'm sure most everybody knows, but if you have not been uh, following the news this week, there was an incredible act of violence that took place and four families are grieving today for lost loved ones, uh, two police officers and two civilians. And uh, we wrestle in times like this with the question of why? Why do such evil things happen in the world? And we as Christians know the answer to that is very, very simple. People who do desperate things, desperation comes from fear and lack of hope. When people are afraid and they have no hope that the future could be any better, they do desperate things, often that hurt others. And could we just join together to pray that God's love and light would triumph over darkness in this? Heavenly Father, uh, we join together and we grieve with those who are grieving this weekend. That even here in New Brunswick, we are not immune from the effects of sin, the effects of our fallen nature, and that so often when evil happens, our tendency is to run away in fear. But Father, your love your perfect love drives out fear. And for anyone today who is searching for answers to these difficult questions this weekend, all around this great province, and especially in Fredericton, that you would wrap your arms of love around them and that they would know that you are the source of life itself and the healing that, that is needed, the, the strength and the courage that can be found is only found in you. And so we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody say together, amen. Well, let's study God's word today. This is the second week of our series that we started last Sunday called But What If, where we are looking in depth at the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter eight, uh, we, we, we learn that there is, there's a word that we touched on in our, our promotion for this series. Many of you shared it on social media. We said it's one of the saddest words in the English language. And it's the word regret. Regret really has two parts that we need to understand. Regret involves both the things you wish you had not done. And it also involves the things you wished you had done. You've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize, yes? Uh, you know that the Nobel Prize is one of the greatest honors that any uh, person on planet Earth can be awarded according to society, that each year the Nobel Prize is given to someone who has contributed significantly to the betterment of the world, to the, to the contribution towards making 
the world a better place. To receive a Nobel Prize is a huge, huge deal. But why is it called the Nobel Prize? Well, it was started because of a man who suffered from deep regret. Back in 1888, his name was Alfred Nobel, and his brother died. In 1888, when his brother died, there was a newspaper in France that published the obituary, but they got the wrong brother. It was Alfred's brother who died, but they published Alfred Nobel's obituary in the newspaper by mistake. And so imagine what it was like for him on that day when he sits down with his cup of coffee and opens the newspaper to read his own obituary. And here's what they said about him. They called him the merchant of death. And they talked about how he had made it easier to kill more people more quickly than ever before in history. See, Alfred Nobel was a great inventor. In his lifetime, he had been awarded 355 patents, but one of his most famous inventions was this, this process by which you could take nitroglycerin, a form of nitroglycerin, and combine it with sand and form it into sticks that we call dynamite. And so with dynamite, of course, it was a wonderful invention. It facilitated the, the uh, digging of tunnels, the construction of, of dams, the construction of canals. It saved time, it saved money, it saved lives. But it was also responsible for the taking of lives. In the wrong hands, it could be used as a weapon of mass destruction. And that is why in that French newspaper, when they published his obituary, they wrote, Le marchand de la mort est mort. The merchant of death is dead. And so here's what happened. When Alfred Nobel read this, it changed his life. And he made a decision. He began to ask himself, what if? What if I could make some changes? What if I could change my legacy? What if I could change the way that people think about me? What if I could take the negative, and somehow turn it into a positive. And so in 1895, he invested $9 million into a trust to start what we call the Nobel Peace Prize. And so now when we think of his name, Nobel, no longer do we think merchant of death, now we think of peace and making the world a better place. And so what's amazing is that Alfred Nobel was actually able to rewrite his own regrets. And you can too. He looked at his life and he made some changes. And you can too. What regrets do you carry today? What are some of the things that you wished you had not done? And what are some of the things that you wished you had done? At the beginning of the series, uh, Carl Elliott met me out in the atrium after the service, and, and uh, he, he, he slipped something into my hand. He said, I want to show you something. And he, he said, there is something positive that can come from regret. And he gave me this quote. 
Regret does serve one important function in our lives. Our regrets can remind us of what really matters. And if we listen to our regrets, they can keep us from the deeper pool of regrets that may lie ahead. You see, foolishness, the fool is not the person who makes a mistake, because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has failures. Everybody has regrets. But the fool is the person who does not learn from their mistakes. And how many people do you know, hopefully not yourself, who continue to make the same foolish, destructive, harmful, sad decisions again and again and again? And they go right back to it. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 17. Uh, this is what they wrote of the Pharaoh at the end of his life. This was his obituary. Jeremiah 46, verse 17, there they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. Imagine that being on your tombstone. <laughs> that would not be what you would want, am I right? As people walk through the cemetery and they see your headstone and it says, well, this person was a loudmouth and they missed the opportunity in their life. See, Pharaoh Hofru was one of the most, actually the most powerful men in the world at that time and the most advanced civilization that the world had ever seen at that time. And he had so much potential. The Pharaoh had so much power, but he missed it. He missed his what-if opportunity, and he took his regrets to the grave. Do you know what happened at Wimbledon last month? Some of you are tennis players, I know, and so some of you uh, watch Wimbledon with great expectation because it's one of the three big tournaments, the major, 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 it's the big deal, it's the one that everybody wants to win, one of four majors, I'm sorry, our tennis pro down here reminds me, one of four majors, and, uh, but there was somebody who was not there, someone who, who missed out, his name was Tim Smyzak. Tim is a, a, an American professional tennis player. Uh, he's in the world rankings, and he was supposed to play at Wimbledon last month in July uh, in England. The cash purse for Wimbledon last month was in Canadian dollars just under $58 million, the, the entire cash purse for Wimbledon. But instead, last month, instead of being at Wimbledon, while everybody else was in London, he was in Winnetka, Illinois, in a tournament where the, the purse was $97,000. Now, why do you think Tim Smyzak went to Winnetka instead of Wimbledon? $97,000 or $58 million, which tournament do you think he wished he was playing at? And so the question is, why did he miss out? Was it because he's not good enough? Was it because he failed to qualify? No, it's because he received the email with the registration and forgot to send it back in. Can you imagine that? He forgot to send in his registration for Wimbledon. He missed out simply because he forgot to do what he was supposed to do. And many of our biggest regrets are the things that we have not done. Missed opportunities. According to a study by two psychologists, 
uh, who looked into our regrets, uh, Tom Gilovich and uh, Vicky Medvek, they looked into how time affects the way that we view our regrets. That there are differences between our short-term regrets and our long-term regrets. And here's, here's what they, they found. That in the short-term, we regret actions more than inactions by a, a very small margin, 53% to 47%. That we regret in the short-term more the things that we did wrong rather than the things we did not do. But in the long term, we regret inactions more than actions, and now all of a sudden the gap grows, 84% to 16%. In other words, in the long run, much later in your life, when you look back, many of our strongest regrets are the things we did not do, the opportunities we left on the table. And did you know the Bible actually talks about this in relation to sin? The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do, oh my, th this is like one of the scariest verses in the Bible. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. For them. So often we focus in on all the stuff the Bible says not to do. Don't do this, don't do that, stop, 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 don't do anything. That's what we think so often the Bible is about. But in fact, what grieves the heart of God so often are the times that we know what we should do, but we do not. The times we know what is right, the times that we know we could make a difference, or we know that instead of being selfish, selfish, we should be sacrificial, that instead of focusing on, well, this is just about me, that we would help others, that the times that we should be investing in our relationship with God and our growth in the Word of God and becoming the person that God has called us to be, the times that we miss out on those, for whatever reason, are some of our biggest regrets. Now, before you get uh, too discouraged here today, here is our encouragement for the day. Uh, in this series, throughout the month, we're focusing on Romans chapter 8. And last Sunday, we went through and we broke down the entire chapter beginning to end. But today, we're going to zone back in to that very, very first verse, which is one of the most beautiful verses, especially if you are one of those people today who feel stuck, you're wrestling with regrets, you're chained to the bondage of the mistakes of your past. If that is you, then this verse is for you. Romans 8 verse 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is available to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Listen today, if you are chained to the mistakes of your past, if you are tortured by shame and regret, I am here to tell you today one of the greatest promises of Scripture. Let's shout it out together. Let's say it together with confidence. Therefore, there... Oh, oh, oh come on now. I, I almost caught you sleeping. Come on. Therefore, there is now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Zero. Zilch. None. Nada. No condemnation. None at all for you. That's good news. And, and some of you are like, man, Joel, that sounds, that sounds too good. I think you're making that up. I think that you're distorting what the Bible says. No, 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 no. Here's why I can say that. Because of what Jesus said. In John chapter 3, verse 17. Now, the verse that comes right before that is, is the most famous verse, I think, in all of the Bible. Because John uh, chapter 3. Oh, 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 oh. I think I missed something. I think what we're going to talk about is before we get to John chapter 3, oh, I almost missed the absolute most important part of this whole message, is what does condemnation even mean, right? You kind of need to know the definition of condemnation. Uh, what we need to understand is the difference between, let's go back one screen, let's not give the answer yet. Uh, let's go back just one. There, the difference between conviction versus condemnation. This is one of the most important things that many Christians never learn. And it is so incredibly significant. Because I think the lack of understanding of the difference between conviction and condemnation is one of the reasons that many people are stuck and can't move forward in their lives and are in bondage and in pain and depression and difficult. Listen, one is from God and the other is from Satan. And it sounds confusing because they sound very similar, conviction and condemnation. But in fact, they are a world apart. Now let's give the definition. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. This is the good one. This is from God. It is a specific awareness of sin that points towards confession. So confession means I admit that I have done wrong or have not done the right. Repentance, which means to turn around Make a choice to turn things around and, and stop doing what I've been doing wrong or start doing what is right. Forgiveness, which only comes from Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And restoration. Restoration means that we get to be made new and get a fresh start, that we are set free. And because of that, it is infused with hope. Yes, I am convicted, and maybe I even feel bad about that, but it, I feel bad so that I can feel good once I give it to Jesus. That is conviction, okay? It's a good thing. But here's the difference. Condemnation is from Satan. It is a general feeling of doom, that I'm a bad person. And that things are never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever going to get any better than they are right now. And because of that, because it has no hope like conviction, condemnation leads to despair. I think that this is one of the reasons that many Christians are stuck, discouraged, and hopeless because you are feeling condemned and you think it is from God when in fact it is from Satan. 
And, and listen to me. I think this is also one of the reasons that many people never become a Christian and never receive the salvation of Jesus because they think that God is all about condemnation. They think the church is about condemnation. They think the Bible is about condemnation. In fact, I think it is because of condemnation and this despair and this lack of hope and the, the belief that things will never get better, I think that is why people do desperate things like we talked about at the beginning of this message today and prayed for the people who are facing the results of people who are making horrible, horrible, violent decisions because they feel condemned with no hope and are living in despair and things will never get better, and people like that do desperate, destructive things. Why? It's because of the condemnation of Satan. It's what he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is good at his job. But listen to me. God does not condemn you. Now, let's circle back around. You're like, Joel, how can you say that? I can say that. Why? Because of John chapter 3, verse 17. And the verse that comes right before that is John 3, 16, the most famous verse in all the Bible, which says... Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. And now look at what happens next. In verse 17, he continues, for God did not, did not, say with me, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Condemnation is not from Jesus. Now, now remember, yes, we are convicted of sin, and we should feel bad about it, because that's what leads us to feeling good when we surrender it to Jesus, when we confess our sin, and then when, when Jesus gives us the power and the courage and the strength to go through the power of his Holy Spirit and make right the wrongs that we have done and the ways that we've hurt other people, we have to make restitution. All of that is part of conviction, but it's good. But that general feeling of condemnation that, that we so often have and, and hopelessness and despair and regret that you just cannot get rid of, you need to understand that is not from God. That is from Satan who is trying to pull you away from God. And folks, that is why I think so many people are stuck. But stay with me now. What if? What if you were to give all of that junk to Jesus. And then, what if we were to go out and boldly pursue the good things that God promises in his word? What if we were to then live with no regrets, where we were to, to make the most of every moment, where we were to invest in things that make an eternal difference, to invest in the mission of the kingdom and to making a difference in our community, to bring hope and restoration? What if we were to invest in our families? What if we were to, to go to work and go out into the community 
community and go into our schools and everywhere we go to give our absolute best and do everything with excellence for the glory of God so that people look at you and they look at me and they, they say, what is wrong with that man? What is it about that woman of integrity? What is it about that young person? There is something different about them and that they would look and see that the difference in you and the difference in me is the love of Jesus Christ that brings light and hope into this world. See, see, in case you didn't know, that's what it's all about. That's what we're about. William Borden is a great Christian hero. You probably know that family name because you've probably seen the logo of their family company, the Borden Milk Company. Do you remember Elsie the cow? Yes? I always had a special affinity for the Borden Milk Company because whenever I saw Elsie the cow on a logo, whenever a truck would drive by, or I would drive by and see a billboard, I thought that, see, my, <laughs> let me explain. My grandfather's name was Borden Gorvette. <laughs> And so whenever I saw Borden Milk Company, I thought it was named after my grandfather. <laughs> but it was not. <laughs> William Borden grew up in Chicago. He was the heir to the Borden Dairy Company with a huge fortune coming his way. But Billy Borden fell in love with Jesus. And here's what happened. When he enrolled in college at Yale University in 1904, he became a leader on his campus. He started small groups for Bible study and prayer, which is our vision as a church and where we're headed this fall, that we want everybody to be involved in one of our new small groups this fall. He believed in the power of getting together in small groups and praying and encouraging one another and studying the Bible together. In fact, by the time he graduated, there were a thousand students at Yale who were involved in one of the small groups that he had started. I mean, in, in all of the groups as they multiplied. But during college, God began to put a what if dream in William Borden's heart. That he began to sense that God was calling him to go and minister to the Muslim people of Northern China. And he knew in order to do so, to follow the, God of, the call of God in his life, that he needed to learn Arabic. And so he packed up after college and he went to live in Cairo, Egypt, in order to learn Arabic. And while he was in Cairo, he ended up with spinal meningitis. And he died at the age of 25 years old. 25 years old, he died. And as you can imagine, so many people said, oh, his life was cut so short. It was cut too short. And one of his friends from Yale said, oh, no, 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 no. A life that is devoted to Jesus is never cut short. It is always just right. But then, after Borden died, they found his Bible. This Bible that he had taken with him around the world. And as they opened up and looked in his Bible, they found that he had written these three things. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. And so 
He dreamed and said, what if I were to really live like that? And so he invested his life in things that really matter. And he left behind millions of dollars in power, fame, and fortune. And he said, here's why. Because the cause of Jesus Christ is worth it. Amen? Listen, and, and listen. Here's what I want to ask you today. What if you were to live like that? What if you could change some of those things in your life that you thought were impossible to change? What if God could free you from the regrets of your past? What if there was one thing you could change today? What would it be? I'm asking seriously. What is it? What would you change today if you could? You see, Alfred Nobel, he did not want to be defined by his worst mistake. And you don't have to either. Alfred Nobel decided to change his identity and make the world a better place. And you can too, but listen, the best way, in fact, the only way to really accomplish that is through giving your life to Jesus. Would you stand? And so as we go to the Lord together in prayer, There are some of you who even right now, the enemy is screaming in your ear condemnation. Saying, this is not for you. That thing that you've done in your past, that who, you could never change. You could never be good enough. Things are never going to get better in your life. Listen to me. That is the lie of the enemy. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so right now, would you confess your sin under the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Just now say, Father, I have done wrong. I've tried to live for myself, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me so that I can be forgiven. And so I repent. I turn around. I leave those sins behind and stop going the world's way to start going your way. And I receive your forgiveness and I commit to follow you. Today is my new beginning because of the power of Jesus Christ. And right now, maybe there are some of you in this room today who the wrong that you have done is against someone else and it's time to make restitution. It's time to say that you are sorry for what you've done. And as far as it depends on you to try to make peace, that person may not forgive you. It's possible that they will continue to hold it against you for the rest of your life. But no matter what you've done, if you confess and repent 
and then go and seek to make restitution with those you have wronged, you can live free. And for that, we thank you, Father. We thank you that we are here today in freedom. And that you are reminding us every day that your mercies are new every single morning, that you are sufficient every single day for everything that we need. And so we worship you. We worship you.